Welcome to ADHD is Over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is Over. Hey guys, welcome back to ADHD's Over. Today is me, myself, and I talking about impulsivity. We've heard it so many times when we hear the media or a friend or someone talk about ADHD, how it's hyperactivity, inattentiveness, and impulsivity as sort of the main, you know, symptoms that we consider ADHD. There's more, but those are the main ones. Right? When we see kids being hyperactive, super active, constantly moving, fidgety, running around, needing to go outside. Then there's the inattentiveness, which is not paying attention to what the teacher is saying or trying to instruct or not listening to a parent. Right, Drives us adults crazy. Then there's the third one, impulsivity. And that is the symptom or the behavior that I want to unpack today, get into the nitty gritty, the nuances, what is it? And perhaps pose a question that we often don't ask, which is, what could it be good for? Because we know when we hear impulsivity, someone's impulsive. I would guarantee if we did a social study with people and we asked them, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm pretty sure 90%. Uh, I'll be conservative. 75% would say it's a bad thing. I highly doubt that the majority will say it's a really good thing. And one of the reasons is because it's coupled with, fused with ADHD. It's almost like the label ADHD, the construct that we know today as ADHD, has hijacked impulsivity and said, hey, that's ours that word, impulsivity, that behavior, mine, I claim it. ADHD is my name, and that is something I claim, right? It's kind of like that. I like to make fun little detours. And one of the things to point out here is that impulsivity has gotten a bad name because we feel that when a child, and, and adults, right, but let's talk about children for a moment, when they're being impulsive, such as stepping into the street, running after a ball, they may get hit by a car, right? I call these the worst case scenarios. We're all familiar with them. It scares the shit out of parents when you say, well, could you let your children be impulsive and be okay with that? Parents go, no. First thing they say is, what if my child runs into the street after a ball and gets hit by a car and is dead? It's almost like the example, right? There's others, but, or stick a finger in a socket, right? Now I'm here to say, yes, parents, and I'm a parent, my wife and I are parents of two boys. Yes, we are here to make sure our kids don't hurt themselves. But here's the, 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 the little conundrum, right? There's certain things that kids will need to experience certain kind of pain that they learn from, right? Could even involve sticking a finger in a socket or a, a, a metal object, right? Many kids have done it or putting your finger into a, 
of the flame of a candle, right? That's how you learn. That's how you grow. Scars, right? Now, yes, we do want to protect our kids. Obviously, it is is innate in human being that if we have offspring that is our own, um, and and people with expanded levels of love can even feel the same with offspring that is adopted or not their own, that you actually do not want them to die. It's an instinct. You know, yes, there are parents in certain uh, psychological states, groomed perhaps by trauma and by um, family culture, uh, that, that may actually hurt their children or be okay with a certain amount of pain that these children experience. But that's a whole nother podcast that is not what we cover. But I just wanted to lay that out there. Most parents love their kids at an innate sort of level of love that they will not want their kids to die. So let's go with that, please, will we, right? So you're a parent, you want to protect your child from not running out into the street and getting hit by a car. Yes, that's a good idea. Please do that. We do that. We did that with our kids and still do that. We still sometimes very often say, uh, please be careful because this may happen, right? But one thing I've noticed as a parent, um, the more I've learned about parenting, the more I've learned about, uh, you know, letting our children unfold, not trying to mold them, but letting them unfold and be a guide, not a uh, fascist you know, dictator telling them exactly what to do, if not, blah, 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 fill in the blank of your, you know, threat or blackmail, right? So most of us, yes, we want to prevent our kids from dying. But one of the things we need to start doing, I feel, or I should say one of the things that my wife and I started doing that have magical results is that we don't constantly helicopter tell them, be careful, you're going to get hurt. Don't do this. Don't do that. I hear it all the time around parks and neighbors and, you know, I see it, I hear it. Um, it's something that will actually scare the child into, you know, reducing the level of trust they have in themselves to, to be able to try things out, fail, and then correct, right? We can also call it calibrate. So I'm jumping ahead, but I just want to point out that one of the findings that my, my wife and I are really proud to share is that what we've noticed, if children are suppressed, and in this case, if we're talking about ADHD, let's talk about medication, but not just medication, also by parenting, by mere verbal action or psychological force, if children are suppressed to, to be impulsive, if their impulsivity is suppressed, then what we're doing is we're not allowing their intuition to be calibrated. And that is really what this rant, this episode is about. When we suppress impulsivity, what we're suppressing, especially in children, because they're young, they're on this planet, let's say they're on this planet, you know, boy has been here three years, four years, five years. Your daughter is six. She's been on this planet six years, right? Some of us have been, I've been here 50 so I've had time to calibrate. And trust me, it's still, I'm still calibrating. I'm still honing it. It's still not perfect, right? Where I want it to be. And we'll get into that later. But if you're the parent of a child who's four, five, six years old, been on the planet four, five, six years, right? These children 
are trying to find their way. They're trying to see their process. And their process is simple. I have an idea. I want to touch this. I wonder what it feels like. Let me touch it. Oh, that's what it feels like. Got hurt or didn't get hurt. And then they file it away in what I call the little red flag cabinet, right? Because if something really hurts, like uh, sticking your your wet finger in a socket or a piece of metal with your finger in a socket, you get shocked. That's going to be a big red flag in your mental, in your memory cabinet that says, do not fucking do that again because that hurt like hell, right? That's kind of how the system works. That's kind of the neurology behind... Uh, you know, these red flag systems of, of memory of like reminding myself in the future not to do that again. The thing I did in the past that really hurt and I did not enjoy that pain that I will not do again. And it, for the adults listening, you know what I mean by it's same in relationships, right? If you continue attracting the wrong partner and you tried something and it didn't work, you're going to be more on guard. You're going to be, uh, you know, more careful next time, although a lot of us still go ahead and attract the same people again and again. That's a different topic. But the point is, we do have a red flag system. We do warn ourselves in the future to not repeat something that hurt, right? So impulsivity is basically that system. Impulsivity is the early stages of an intuition, and I call it an internal guidance system, that we're calibrating, we're honing it. It becomes the thing as adults that we can trust. Intuition is the one thing that I nowadays as a 50 year old man in my life use to make decisions for my family. And some of these decisions could be dangerous decisions. They could be threatening the survival of the four of us, right? In our family. So I have to have trust in my intuition when I say we have to move or we're going to go over here. I'm changing careers. I'm buying this expensive piece of equipment because it's going to pay off or we're investing money here because I believe this is going to work out. So I am highly dependent on my internal guidance system. Now, some of you could be listening saying, well, um, yeah, I listen to myself too, but mostly I do research and I look for facts and I, I stay informed with news and with articles and with research that I believe in. And that's how I make my decisions, right? That is great. But this episode, again, is about the piece of our intuition that is needed to hone it, which is called impulsivity. And I'm going to get to why I believe if we don't do that and we simply rely on outside information that as adults, at some point in our life, we're going to break down, we're going to lose it, we're going to be stopped, we're going to be out of, of steam. So hear me out on this. As a child, for example, let's say Billy is six years old, Billy has been diagnosed with ADHD because he's hyperactive and attentive and impulsive. And the parents decided to give medication to Billy because both parents work. They have stressful, busy careers. They cannot afford to go into the principal's office, you know, twice a week. They're also not interested in spending a lot of time and money on these alternative fringe, uh, you know, uh, approaches that might not work out. They just need something now. They need a quick fix. And so many families are in that situation. And this is not a judgment. I get it. You know, we, we live fractured, stressful lives. You know, one of my favorite statements by uh, one of the experts in our film and part of this movement, ADHD is over, Dr. Thomas Armstrong says, this is not due to bad parenting. 
It is due to fractured lives. We are living in a world where lives are being created more and more as fractured due to stress. We got to get more done. We got to achieve more. We got to be busier. We got to, you know, everything's speeding up the internet and all that stuff. We can do more. So we're going to do more because we want more, right? So due to fractured lives. Now, let me back up here. So when we take Billy, six years old, and we medicate Billy, what basically stimulant medication does, it suppresses impulsivity so that a child can, you know, sit still in class and learn, right? It keeps that inattentive, hyperactivity, and uh, impulsivity. It, it puts a lid on it. Imagine a pressure cooker. You put a lid on it. If you didn't have that lid or if you took it off wrongly, there would be an explosion, right? So stimulant medication acts like a lid. You put a lid on it and now the child is sitting there, you know, quietly, in a way sedated, doing what's, you know, given to the child to do. Homework, uh, instructions, and so forth. So that's what stimulant medication does. It suddenly allows for parents to be busy at their work and not getting phone calls from the principal because now their son's doing well. He's doing well at school academically. He's coming home with grades. And often, you know, kids are given a second dose of medication in the afternoon. So when they come home after work, if one or both parents happen to be home or working from home, the child isn't driving them crazy. Again, not a judgment. I get it. I've seen it a hundred times, perhaps more on... Um, the support groups online, the social media support groups that I um, am part of on ADHD doing research. It's constantly talked about by parents. It's the morning dose, the afternoon dose. It's keeping the kids basically quiet, right? So if we're doing this to Billy, six years old, we're suppressing in inattentiveness, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. And we're just talking about impulsivity for now. We're suppressing impulsivity we're essentially, you know, for the time being, temporarily numbing that system, that neurological system that's in, in the little being called Billy is being paused. Now, fast forward, if you keep medicating a child up until they're in their 20s, for example, or let's say they, they get to college and they're like, I don't need it anymore, although it's pretty much proven Studies have proven that kids are medicated, you know, once they get to college, they definitely want to keep medicating because now you really need to study and stay up and deliver. And, you know, a lot of times that's when Adderall and other stimulant drugs are being abused, um, as we've seen in the film, Take Your Pills on Netflix. Um, and if you think about it, let's say at some point that child considers getting off of medication. It is my claim. And... There is starting to be, there are more studies that are starting to back this up. But it's not really in the mainstream sort of pharmaceutical psychiatry's business and interest to have these studies be public. That's another story. But what's starting to happen is that we're producing adults, ultimately. Either they stay dependent on these stimulant drugs, which a lot of adults do, there's a lot of dependency and a lot of abuse. And that's not something to ignore. This is not a, oh, you're anti-pharma, you're anti-psychiatry. We're not. 
we're not anti-pharma. I believe there's a time and place for, for pharmaceutical medication to be used as a, as a Band-Aid, as a, as a temporary, right? Sort of a, a temporary coping. But when it's used as the cure or the effective thing or the thing, the absolute must use this, then I have a problem with it. And the problem is very simple. If a child is given uh, these stimulant drugs for the rest of their lives as they go into adulthood, two things will happen. They either, either stay on it and are dependent on an outside pharmaceutical source to function in the world. That's a true dependency. That's not to say, oh, you're a druggie, you're an addict. Well, it's just a dependency. That adult is dependent on a substance. Now, what happens when you suddenly take it away from, from this person? There's going to be a problem. And I recently saw this with Jessica McCabe, who is a lovely young woman who runs uh, How to ADHD. She has a channel on, on YouTube, which I highly recommend to check out. She's doing a lot of great work for the community. Most of the work, though, is inside of accepting ADHD as a disorder and uh, coping with it. While she has many videos talking about the strength of ADHD and how people with ADHD are beautiful and creative and powerful, and which we all support, right? What we don't support on ADHD is over is to take on a label that ultimately becomes, you know, we become a victim and we, we, we just can cope with it. We can never actually see a light at the end of the tunnel that would get us to actually transform it. I don't want to use the word heal, but transform it so that ADHD, the construct, no longer exists. But she's an amazing young woman. She's very passionate, very creative. She has a great spirit. Jessica McCabe on uh, YouTube. Look her up. One of her latest videos, though, had me really concerned. It was a video where Jessica was sharing her frustration with the healthcare system such that she had moved, uh, I believe, um, you, you can watch it for, for um, you know, to, to hear more of the details, but it was uh, called ADHD treatment is not ADHD friendly, something like that. Uh, I can put the, the link in the show notes. Basically, what she said was because she moved and, you know, things changed and she had to get pre-approved again by her insurance, by the, by the pharmacy. And so long story short, she needed her meds. And I think it was three or four days that she, she, she didn't, she wasn't able to get the meds. And I'm assuming she has a insurance or some kind of deal where it was still expensive for her to just go buy it, right? And in her video, she was beautifully vulnerable and authentic and really shared her frustration. And I was very moved by it. It was actually the first video where I, I felt like I saw her real, the, the humanity. I saw the girl behind the sort of facade of the powerful ADHD warrior who's, you know, out to make a difference. And she is making a difference. Don't get me wrong. I, I really uh, believe in what she's doing on her end. The only thing that really struck me, and this was like a, a punch, because once that, that, that authentic frustration and anger faded away, what I was left with is I was looking at an adult a young adult woman who was so dependent on this stimulant drug to allow her to function in this world that she literally, it felt like if she doesn't get this medication that she will fall apart. 
that was literally what I was watching and witnessing. And it was really sad. It went from curiosity to really uh, loving her and appreciating her to like feeling very sad for, for this wonderful person. And this is by no means meant to put her down. I actually am very proud of her and, and was very inspired by, by her putting herself out there so vulnerably. But again, I have to point this out because this is about splitting the hairs. This is about really digging deeper, looking at the nuances and unpacking things. When we create adults like that who are so dependent on a pharmaceutical drug, and I know some of you cringe at the word drug and, and you're going to say, oh, it's not a drug. You don't understand. It's medication. It's a drug. It is clearly a drug. It's a stimulant drug. It's a Schedule II. The um, FDA has labeled it a Schedule II drug alongside of cocaine and meth. You can look this up on the FDA's website. And that is simply to say it, they're that powerful. And if we're keeping kids away from, from cocaine and meth, you know, because of the addiction and the power of the drug, yet we're not doing the same thing with stimulant drugs like Ritalin, Adderall, and Vyvanse and so forth, then we're missing a point here. And I want to get back to the first point I wanted to make, and I come back to this. The point was that we can create two scenarios in the future if we uh, suppress impulsivity with stimulant drugs in children. One was the adult I just talked about. We create dependent adults who are looking to the outside for something that allows them to function in the world. That's a dependency. The second scenario is that let's say Billy turns 21 and for some reason he suddenly feels this is, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to take drugs anymore. I'm done with it. What Billy's going to realize quickly and hopefully he'll realize it quickly. If not, he will later realize that that's what happened at the time of stopping the drugs, is that his intuition, the signal of his intuition, if you, if you look at intuition as a, as a kind of a, a, a compass or, or a GPS, the signal will be so faint and so almost unnoticeable that he will live a life also dependent on outside sources. He will look to media, the news, the so-called experts, other people out in the world to tell him what to do. I see this all the time with people that we've interviewed that were on medication, were on stimulant drugs, are now off of it. They've struggled tremendously. Most of them, and this is a proven study, it's actually a myth and it's been debunked clearly by very credible fact checkers, that it is a myth that unmedicated children with ADHD will later self-medicate. They may, but not because of the unmedicated condition. There's a different reason. It's actually proven that more children that were medicated with ADHD drugs actually ended up self-medicating with other drugs later and experimenting. It is in a way a gateway because we're telling children early on that in order for you to function, in this world, you do need an outside, you know, in this case, a drug, a source, something from the outside. You don't have everything inside of you already that you can, uh, you know, optimize to function in the world. So actually what we're creating are these adults that eventually when they're taken off medication, they will need to self-medicate potentially in order to transition. Or if they're lucky and they, they cold turkey off the medication, 
they will need some psychiatric or psycho, you know, uh, counseling help, therapy. But what they will realize later is that they are essentially very weak when it comes to trusting themselves. And this is why I wanted to make this, this episode. When we cannot trust ourselves, our own internal guidance system, and you can call it intuition, when we cannot trust that, we are literally dependent on the outside to tell us what to do, where to go, who to be. Now, conveniently, media will be there. Advertising will be there to tell you, if you wear this or buy this, you'll get this man or that vacation or this house. Experts will tell you, well, now you're depressed, so I get it. You should switch to Prozac or, you know, there'll be some experts saying, yeah, 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 this is what's going on. There'll be some political party telling you, you should feel this way, join this movement and vote for this person. You get the drift here. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of outside sources that will come in and gladly tell this human being who's been raised to suppress impulsivity, just to name one of the symptoms that we suppress with stimulant medication, to tell him or her how to live and who to be. And that's a problem. And we're starting to see that now already in the world. There are millions and millions of young adults and adults out there in the world so lost with no compass, no intuition to trust. Some of them don't even believe in intuition. Some of them even think that's for some other, you know, uh, ESP, that's, that's for a healers or spiritual people. That's just not me. You know, I believe in reality. I, you know, believe in results. What I, what I see is real. What I don't is not, you know, there's people who believe, don't even believe in intuition and that's fine. That's not a judgment. All I'm saying is when we have an intuition that we're not calibrating through impulsivity, that's how it gets calibrated. Then we're creating adults eventually that will be lost. And what we're seeing now with this fake media debunking this, fact check this, nobody fucking knows what's true anymore. I include myself. I don't know what's true anymore. There's two sides. It seems like there's two sides. There's the left and the right. There's the COVID is real. COVID is a hoax. There's the Trump is a bad guy. Trump is a good guy. All that stuff. And you can easily right now listen to me and say, no, that's you. You just don't, you're just not listening to the right side. And I'm here to tell you, no, I'm actually listening to both sides. And I have friends on both sides and I have credible sources on both sides. And I'm confused. But I'm not confused to the point where I don't know where I stand and know what my next move is. I trust my intuition enough and have especially strongly for the last few years to really guide me in the right direction. And the right direction for me is fulfillment and of course safety, you know, for and providing for my family. And I've not yet to be disappointed, knocking on wood, in my intuition for having guided me in the wrong direction. Sure, I've I've made some wrong calls, wrong meaning, you know, I thought this would work out, this investment, that didn't work out, fine, I've made up for it. It's no big deal, you know? The universe doesn't do, um, what's it called, uh, uh, accounting, right? It doesn't, it doesn't keep track of, oh, you lost $4,000 back then and now you gained only two. So you're really minus two for 20 years. No, you have what you have right now. And if you're keeping track on a spreadsheet, well, that's, that's on you. That's for you to, you know, 
<laughs> check in with yourself. Why are you doing that? Because right now in my life, I feel like I live an amazing life and I have amazing, created an amazing, harmonious family life. And so I know my intuition has led me in the right direction. Now, that's also because I was not medicated as a child, even though I was considered as ADHD growing up in Switzerland. I was very hyperactive, very impulsive, very inattentive. And I was just kind of doing my own thing, running around constantly, needing to be busy. Still, I'm like that. You know, as an adult, it's calmed down a bit. And it will calm down in any child. It will. We outgrow it, even though that's another myth that the other side tries to tell us. You can't outgrow it. You can't heal it. You'll have it for life. Well, no, you'll be yourself for life and you'll have certain symptoms and behaviors for life. But you can learn how to actually function in this world by carving out your own path, right? And that's another story. But let's go back to impulsivity and intuition. My prediction is that if we continue to suppress children's impulsivity, we're continuing to suppress their ability to calibrate their own inner guidance system. And we're going to end up with a lot of people that are lost, fearful, that are misguided, unfulfilled, depressed, confused. And look around the world right now. All we had was COVID and elections. I mean, those are two big things. Don't get me wrong. And there were some fires happening, right? I could say three big things. There's probably a few more that I'm forgetting that some of you who are religious news watchers will know. I don't watch the news anymore, so I don't know. Also doesn't make a difference in my life. People used to say, you don't watch the news, so you're not up to date. Fuck being up to date with bullshit, with negativity, with fear, with manipulation. Not for me. For some people, if it works, great. But at the end of the day, look in the mirror, be honest with yourself. Are you fulfilled? Are you in love? Are you feeling at peace? Or are you fearful, righteous, resentful, and so forth? You know, you'll know. I stopped watching the news because I was like that. I was fearful, resentful, angry. You know, still sometimes I get wrapped up in people's uh, negativity on Facebook and I get all riled up and I have to comment. And, you know, right now I'm pulling back. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just post something and I'll like everyone's answer or comment because, you know, I appreciate them reading it and commenting. But I'm not getting involved anymore in any kind of like, well, no, that's not true. And this, my scientist is bigger than your scientist. And this, da, 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 da. I don't need to. My intuition is telling me where I'm going. And hopefully theirs is too, you know? So my point being that we can either create a society that's allowed to be impulsive, fail and learn. And some of us will die. Some of us will, you know, be stupid. Be impulsive, get drunk, jump off of an apartment complex in a pool and hit their head on the ledge of the pool and die. We'll always have people like that. You know, does that mean we should get rid of pools or, or pools in apartment complexes? No. Why should we level, you know, blanket uh, everything to accommodate a few stupid people who would do a stupid thing anyway and die? Some people will die. That's just part of life. But the point here is that if we allow children to grow up and make mistakes, be impulsive. And of course, as parents, we guide them along. We don't let them run into the street. We don't, you know, we cover, you cover up your sockets when you have a little one. You do the basic coverage. But other than that, you let them fall. You let them get a scar. You, you, you know, uh, they will knock out a tooth or um, try something stupid. It's just part of life. 
because not like it's just part of life, like that's just how it is, because that's how we learn. That's how we adjust our intuition, our the calibration, right, through impulsivity. Because intuition takes it a step further. When we have an, an, an impulsive thought, like I want to invest $5,000 in cryptocurrency because it's going to work out, right? And we do it. And then we have the result of, wow, I made a profit. I doubled my money. Now I have proof. Now I have proof that my intuition actually allowed me to predict something. And the more confident I get in that, the more I will trust that intuition. And the more results that show up, the more I will trust that in, in that intuition. And I can make predictions. That's why some people can make these, these bigger futuristic predictions and they become true. Because they've learned to really trust their inner guidance system. But we'll, we're not allowing our children to actually operate that way if we suppress them. Not just with stimulant medication, in this case for ADHD, but also by being helicopter parents. By trying to avoid any pain or any failure that our children might encounter. That's really all I wanted to talk about today. It's really that simple. You know, if we're suppressing something like impulsivity, then that's what we're doing. We're essentially suppressing a child's ability to naturally calibrate their inner guidance system, AKA intuition. And we need intuition as a species to survive. We're not going to be able to survive if we're just going to use our left brain, the academic force that we pay most of our attention to in schools, you know, in our Ivy League track kind of world that we've created. If we're going to stay heavily on left brain, mind-based, we're going to miss the boat because the future belongs to the right brain, what I call balance. This is not about right versus left, no pun intended. This is actually about working together, pun intended that we figure out a way to work together. The left and the right brain, you know, the hemispheres need to, need to dance. It's a dance. And intuition or impulsivity is part of that dance. And if we suffocate that, then we're going to soon live in a world that's run by people who can't make decisions for themselves. Those are the kind of people who are at restaurants and they go, well, what are you ordering? I don't, I don't know what to get. What, 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 are you, what are you getting? You know, I know this is, this is not a judgment. I mean, we all have friends like that. But I guarantee you, th those are the people that were raised to look on the outside for answers, for guidance. You know, and even then it's like, well, tell me what's right. Tell me which group to belong to. Tell me which is the right team to pick the right, uh, you know, uh, uh, fraternity to be in, the right car to drive. All this stuff is external because we think that the external, the exterior, those forces and sources have the answers for us to become who we think we should be in this world to be accepted and admired. Because ultimately, we all have this underlying feeling of we're not enough, we don't matter. Nobody loves us. Some version of that you and I all have. And if we can see that, and if we can get present to our beautiful, beautiful young children 
when we first have kids, you know, the baby that we cherish and they start walking and they become these young people. And then there's a point in life when they're too much for us parents to handle, too energetic, too strong-willed, too opinionated, too defiant, too something. And then we remember we saw that ad on TV that said, is your child hyperactive? Is your child inattentive? Is your child impulsive? Your child may have ADHD. Ask your doctor. And then we have parents that come to the doctor and say, I think my child has ADHD. Not because they actually know what that is and where the symptoms come from and what causes them and so forth. We've all been told lies that it's genetic. It's just not true. You can come at me for that. It's not genetic. Look up epigenetics and ADHD. It's just not genetic. There's no ADHD gene and it's also not predetermined. That's a whole nother story, but look it up. Listen to some Bruce Lipton on epigenetics who's been at it since the seventies. But my point again is we've been, you know, parents have been told these, these lies so that they actually diagnose at home and bring the child to the doctor and say, I know, even, even though I'm not a doctor, but I already know he or she has ADHD, so please make it happen. Write the prescription so we can get the pills. So my husband and I don't have to fucking deal with this principal bullshit teachers calling us all the time and we can be at our busy jobs because if not, we're going to get fired and have no money to feed the family, right? It's that whole vicious circle. All I'm saying is if you're listening here, if there's one parent right now listening and going, hmm, okay, well, I'm, I'm listening. What's the point? The point is spend some loving, quiet time with your child. Be with their emotions. Even if it feels impulsive, let them fail and learn under your guidance. And also, and here's the kicker, and this is why we started this podcast. Be fucking authentic about anything that could make your child feel unsafe, unloved, uncertain, anxious, even depressed. Because it's not them. The children are not the problem. The children are not patients. They're just here to point out something's not working in the family dynamic, whether it's between mom and dad, or there's something that happened to mom's past, dad's past, transgenerational shit that they're logging around. There's a divorce waiting to happen there did happen a divorce. Maybe there was medical trauma. Who knows? There's some form of disruption that came in between parent and child that used to be love, nurturing, and something has disrupted your son or daughter that now they're acting up, acting out, having these behaviors that we call symptoms that we then label as a disorder. If you can just be authentic with yourself and your partner, and you can be with your child and really see them for who they are. They're a little being that's trying to tell you something. And if you can say, maybe we'll wait on medication because I don't want to suppress my child's impulsivity that will later become his intuition, his trust in himself or herself. Because we want to raise a human being that when we pass away, we'll be out there in the world chaos will be fucking happening around them as it is happening right now. 
and they will just look at it as a hurdle and go, oh, okay, there's some fires. I got to move our shit. Oh, there's COVID. Okay, got to wear a mask, go over here. There's, you know, elections. Okay, I'm going to stay away from the cities during the election aftermath. You know, whatever it takes to be impulsive and to keep moving along and trust their intuition so they can follow the purpose or do what they're meant to do on this planet. If that's who you want to raise, then certainly any kind of suppression isn't going to work. I'll say this again. Any kind of suppression and stimulant medications are suppressing or a, uh, you know, helicopter parenting is suppressing. Blackmailing your children, gaslighting your children is suppressing. Not working on your own trauma, not healing your own trauma is suppression. Children will feel it. Not allowing them to be with their emotions, trying to constantly fix them is a form of suppression. When we suppress our children, they will grow up depressed, suppressed, repressed, anything pressed, but not self-expressed. And self-expression is a function of a healthy trust in ourselves, a healthy trust in our intuition, in our internal guidance system, and a healthy trust in our impulsivity. So my last words will just be impulsivity fucking rocks. Because that's how we learn. That's how we calibrate. That's how we become who we are meant to become. That only we know. And when all suppression is removed... And there's always going to be a little bit of suppression. It's, not, it's human. It's the world around us. But when the majority of the suppression is removed, we fucking soar. We are lights. We are forces to be reckoned with. We are just rockets of change, creativity, love, peace, power, you name it. That's it. I've said enough. This was an episode on impulsivity. Hope you enjoyed it. And there'll be many more awesome episodes coming up. So join us again on ADHD's Over. Thank you. We'll live a great life. Bye.